Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Hey, um, it's very good to be here uh, with you this morning, this uh, bright and early Sunday morning. Man, you guys are the awakened crowd. That's, that's great. Um, my name is Paco. Uh, I um, and I am a pastor in the Mexican neighborhood of Little Village in Chicago. Um, my family's not with me. They're kind of scattered everywhere. Uh, but I think we have a picture. My family, I have eight kids. And um, I actually looked at um, every now and then when we take a picture like that, I feel like, is there a na- there's got to be like a neighbor there. That's too many people. But uh, like, uh, they're, they're all far. Uh, of ours. And so um, anyways, I want to, um, I bring great greetings to you uh, from our congregation, from our um, Mexican community on the west side of Chicago. Uh, we are family. The blood that runs through your heart, through your soul, is our, the same blood of Jesus that has made us one family, not just uh, these two communities, but throughout the world and throughout the uh, history, and that is such a blessing. And so I want to invite you to go with me. Today we're talking about prayer. I want to invite you to go with me to the center of the book of Psalms, chapter 84, verses 5 through 8. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 8. Um, And this is what the Word of God says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Imagine a setting in your heart, a setting. Those in whom God's strength is in them, their hearts are set on pilgrimage. That's a basic setting. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, or the valley of sadness, mourning, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. You'll each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. There's a basic structure for Psalm 84. It's three sections. The first section uh, is a destination. Uh, you know, we won't have time to go into it, but pretty much the, the, the basic answer is I know where I'm going. And the third section is the envisioning of the arrival. It's almost like feeling like it's tasting, is already arriving at the destination. You can look at it later on on your, on your own time. But the middle part, the second part, verses 5 through 8, is the journey itself. The journey. How are we going to get to that destination? This is our journey. These verses describe our journey, our life with Jesus at the center of everything that we are. So for apprentices of Jesus, for followers of Jesus, this type of journey assumes a very unique way of going. Which begs the question, how do we travel? How do we as followers of Jesus, do we travel this difficult and treacherous journey of life as a parent, as a friend, as a, you know, illnesses, whatever comes ahead and whatever we're navigating through right now, how do we travel it well? And the answer 
not just the biblical answer, but also the answer of the testimony of the church throughout three millennia, millennia is that you need a rhythm. You need God's rhythm in your life in order to travel this road real well. And that rhythm can only be gotten through prayer. So today, we will see how the book of Psalms is God's unique, special gift for the journey of life to be attentive to God. What we're going to do is just answer three, three soul questions, three questions that our soul tends to, to ask of itself. The first question is, where am I going? Is there more to life than this? Am I there already or, or is there more? Should I go for more? Is there, where, where do I go? Um, the second question is, who will go with me? If it's a treasure's ter terrain, who will help me to navigate this? Is there a guide for me? And the third question is, how would I navigate the uncertainties ahead? So where am I going? Who will go with me? And how will I navigate the uncertainties ahead of me? Would you close your eyes with me for a second, Lord Jesus? Thank you, because your presence right here not just gives us a nice message, words to, to encourage our hearts, but you are wanting to lead our lives. You are wanting to give us all that we need to navigate this life that you have given to us, the road that each one of us must travel well. And we want to, as followers of you, as apprentices of Jesus, we want to navigate this road, Father, well. So would you guide us this morning as we look through this psalm in Jesus' name. Amen. In your name. So the first question is, where am I going? And here's what I want you to remember. In the book of Psalms, we find that our souls were made for pilgrimage. A pilgrim is someone that can affirm the words, I am not there yet. Listen to Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed are those. This is a blessing. You are blessed if God's strength is in you. Because your heart is, has been made to, to change its setting from saying, this is where I want to be. You know, I'm comfortable with, you know, my little land, my car, my family, whatever. I'm, I'm comfortable. I love my job. and th This is it. Blessed are those whose strength, God, is in you. Whose hearts are said, not on home, but on pilgrimage. In essence, God's strength comes into humans and pushes us out. When was the last time you got a good shove? You know, like, you know, like somebody shoved you. I, I, I don't know when was the last time that, that somebody pushed you somewhere. When I was growing up as a kid, I, I, the, the, I was just thinking about this. The two times when I was clearly pushed all the time was when we, I was at the edge of a pool. You know, somebody comes and shoves you in like, ah, and the other time was, you know, when there's like all the girls on that side, all the boys on this side, and some friend comes over and says, you know you want to go and dance with her. And like, <laughs> and then you're like in front of her. You know? But here's what the Bible, the, the idea that this psalm gives us is that Jesus' 
strength. It's a blessing because it reminds you you're not there yet. You are with me, a pilgrim, and he pushes us out. This is a unique invitation. This is a, one, a once-in-a-lifetime invitation as well as a daily, regular invitation. I remember the first time that Jesus somehow came and pushed me. I remember I, my parents, I, I was born in Mexico, grew up there, and my parents sent me to the United States. I ended up going to high school in North Carolina, um, you know, so you couldn't, so I learned English with, you know, with a southern accent, so, so you couldn't understand me in two, in two, in two accents, you know, so, um, and I remember just feeling the sense of Nobody looked like me. Nobody acted like me. The, the rules were different. Culture was changing. And, like, and I remember at that time I went in and I found that there was a, bo- a void. And um, uh, the, the thing that I, the normal thing that I did is just I, I looked for someone to blame. And I hated those around me. And then I hated God. And I remember the, the more I said to God, I hate you for giving me this cursed life, the more that God seemed to send people to love me <laughs> in his name and just bless me in his name and serve me in his name. And, and I remember one time, this is a beautiful, um, you know, fall afternoon right on the Blue Ridge Mountains, just sitting in a bench all night long fighting with God and saying why, like, why I was right about hating him. And eventually I just got to a point in which I just said, would you help me? I'm hopeless. Would you help me? And I sensed that Jesus somehow was behind me saying, oh, man, you and I are going on a pilgrimage. And you will, you can never, you cannot imagine the places we will go, the things you will, we will do together. He has led me up to even being right here with you, being blessed by your friendship and, and the fact that we are family and the ups and downs. Uh, the hobbits were, in the Lord of the Rings, the hobbits were, were folk that did not like adventure. Adventure was frowned upon but yet Bilbo had gone on an, an adventure, and uh, he had gone and slain dragons, and, and he describes it as saying, I felt alive. And one day he's talking to Frodo, and he, his nephew, and he's saying, it is a dangerous business, Frodo, my boy. Going out your door, you step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no, no, there's no knowing where you might be swept up to. I love that. I remember being in Cuba, uh, sitting down with a young man, early 20s, and uh, he, was, uh, he had been sent from his, his town to the edge of Havana and um, to a, a kind of like a growing section of, uh, of Havana that didn't have a church. And, and so he arrived early 20s. And uh, as I talked with him, there was this amazing fire in his heart of, uh, of just, you know, it was like, man, God has brought me to bring good news to all of this community. And as he dreamt of, of this is what I would do, this is, this, those neighbors are going to come to know Jesus, those kids over there, uh, I saw a fire in his eyes, a fire in his eyes, like, I'm on an adventure. This is a dangerous business. 
I've seen a very similar fire in the eyes of young men and women in America as well. Might be fainter, but it's, it's an equal fire. Many times it appears when they are about to do something extreme on the weekend. They talk about jumping out of an airplane. Uh, another uh, friend was telling me, hey, last weekend I went to this race where we just go up and down and we climb and it was like all these things. And then eventually we end up in a pool of mud and we have to like crawl and then there's like this, this, this elect electrical cords that come down and they electrocute you. Like, like, I mean, it's amazing. And he said this. He said, and at that moment, I felt alive. I want you to know that we were not made for adventure on the weekend or every other month in the summer. We, as followers of Jesus, were invited for a life of stepping out in pilgrimage, setting of pilgrimage in our soul. Listen to what, how the Bible describes the life of Abraham. God comes to Abraham, tells him, hey, come out. <laughs> It's like, where am I going? It's like, where I will show you. We're about to go on a long pilgrimage, you and I. And the writer of Hebrews describes it like this. All these people, not just Abraham, but everybody else that came around him and in the entire chapter, all these people were still living by faith. You might say they were still walking by faith with Jesus on the road when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from afar, admitting that they were in fact foreigners and strangers, pilgrims on earth. In the words of that great hymn of the faith, we, have, we, <laughs> we still haven't found what we're looking for. The Psalms remind us that this life as we know it is not it. We have not arrived there yet. Here's the second question that our soul asks. Who will go with me? And this is what I want you to remember. In the Psalms, we find the perfect companion and guide for the journey. Listen to Psalm 84, verse 8. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Hear my prayers, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Eugene Peterson pastor, writer who passed away, probably the, the person most influential in my life in regards to prayer and the Psalms, says that our natural human language is prayer. Every human, our natural human language is prayer, but we have forgotten it. And every now and then some crisis comes into our lives and just you know, destabilizes everything. And what we naturally come to is we revert to our natural language of prayer, whether it's a complaint, oh God, or whether it's a crying out, oh God. But we go back to language, of the, the language that is the most natural for language, and then the crisis passes. And most of us just go back to normal, to a prayerless life. But some of us, Eugene Peterson says, not content to be our true selves incidentally, in other words, only every now and then, we hunt for ways 
to cultivate, to get in touch back with fluency in this kind of fresh, new, and true language of our souls. And this is what he finished saying. More often than not, the hunt turns up its quarry in the Psalms. The consensus from the Jewish people, from the church throughout history, especially from Jesus, is that if you want to learn how to pray, what you, must, what you need for the road is prayer. But if you want to know how to pray well, you must go to the Psalms. Incidentally, the book of Psalms is the, uh, the most quoted book from the Old Testament in the New Testament. It's the book that Jesus from the Old Testament quoted the most. The book of Psalms is the 150 best songs of all time in the Jewish charts. Compiled over 1,500 years. However, the wisdom of the ages is not that the truest companion for a journey is God saying, hey, by the way, you just need a, a psalm a day to keep the devil away. No, the, I, the, the truest companion for a journey is not a psalm for the day, but that through praying of the psalms, we find that God is walking with us. Or maybe we would say it backwards, that through praying the psalms, we find that we have entered into God's journey. This guy's this couple was coming back from Jerusalem and the road, lonely, dark road, late at night, towards a little town of Emmaus. And they were walking with great hope. They had anticipated much from God. And a third traveler joined them. And as they are walking on their way to Emmaus, he, he starts speaking to them. He starts giving them his words, Old Testament words for them. And as he, he walks away, they realize that was Jesus. God was walking with us on the journey through our pilgrimage. God had joined us and they look at each other and they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Again, Eugene Peterson says that prayer at its most basic is the practice of making our heart attentive to God. Here's an honest fact about prayer. Most of us know that we should pray more. It's a basic thing. It's a foundational to our soul. We know that we should pray more. Uh, in the year 2014, uh, Pew Research did a research of Christians throughout the nation, and they found out that 55% of Christians say that they pray daily. Now, we don't know if they do pray daily. They at least say that they pray daily. And uh, I don't know if you feel like, wow, that's encouraging or that's kind of depressing. That really almost means that one out of two believers, followers of Jesus, say that they pray daily. But, but that's like a foundational thing. Talking to the God that we're saying we're following, shouldn't that be like, you know, like, I don't know, 99%, 100%, you know. Okay, so we'll, let, we'll let Joe get, get away with it, you know, like 99% or so. Most of us know that we should pray daily. But we either don't feel like it, you know, like, uh, I just, I know I should, just don't feel like it. Or we quickly run out of things to say. 
You quickly run out of things to say. I have this little fantasy, you know, it's like fiction. God doesn't do that. But imagine that God, you know, every now and then has a lottery. And every day he like gets an angel to turn the lottery, pulls the name out and says, okay, today we are going to give Paco everything that he's praying for. So let's read it. And like, 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 uh, well, he just said that you would bless the food. I'm like, that's pretty much all his prayers. <laughs> like, it's all his prayer. Like, and then God goes, like, look at what he's eating, man, and pork and beans, you know. Like, how can I, like, chips? How can I bless those takis? I mean, like, those are, those are unblessable. Like, but I guess he, that's all he's wanting. You know, most of us, quickly, either we we don't feel like it, or we just quickly run out of things to say to God in our prayer. I ask for this, I ask for this. That's pretty much it. Here's an honest fact about Psalms. When it comes to the Psalms, most of us have our favorite Psalms. Philip Jensen says we, we kind of like see the Psalms as a spiritual um, uh, medical medicine cabinet. Like, all right, I feel sad. I love this psalm. All right, I feel happy. No, this psalm is a happy one. I feel scared, you know, like this is one the one. I, I, I kind of am nervous. Nothing wrong with that. However, we kind of pick and choose and we never get the entire breadth of the psalms for us. We also know how to avoid the really weird psalms, you know, like I was talking to a friend and he was saying, hey, like, I, I know I should pray all the psalms. I mean, this is God's word for us, but, you know, I don't know what to do with, you know, all the enemies and the blood running down the streets and, you know, breaking of their teeth and all that kind of stuff. Incidentally, a lot of our worship songs only stay with the happy parts we pick and choose worship songs like the the happy parts of the psalms you know when was the last time you heard somebody like come on like let's dash their kids against the stone one more time yeah hallelujah so we do pick and choose because we don't know what to do with all those things now the jewish people understood one thing whenever they asked jesus for example hey jesus what do you think about this? Most of the time, Jesus would say, well, what does God say? What does the law say? Jewish people understood that God has spoken to them in five books. The first five books of the Bible. Have you noticed that the book of Psalms is divided into five books? The editors of the book of Psalms wanted us to know one thing that is foundational to learning how to pray. They knew that God has spoken to us in five books. And he has also given us five books to learn how to speak back to him. To learn how to respond to prayer. Incidentally, prayer is at its best responding language. And we know that the Psalms are God's gift to us to know how to speak to him. That is why the Psalms give words to every conceivable human emotion at his red hot. So instead of picking and choosing a Psalms according to how you feel, why not take a full diet of all of the Psalms? This is the wisdom of the family of faith throughout the ages looking at us 
and saying, take all of the Psalms instead of picking and choosing. Let's say it this way. Instead of letting our emotions decide what we should say to God, in other words, the emotions being on the driver's seat, your emotions, your, you know, whatever you're feeling at this very moment, be on the driver's seat of your life of prayer, let us instead receive the words that God has already given to us and teach our emotions how to be tamed, trained, and launched out by the Psalms. In other words, the book of Psalms is like a funnel for our emotions. Through the Psalms, we learn how to truly feel all the things that as humans we were given to feel. For almost a decade, I have been trying to pray through the Psalms daily. Eugene Peterson actually wrote a little book, which, you know, it's like what he did is he took the 150 Psalms and uh, he spread them out throughout the 365 days of the year. And so I, I paid my daughter to, to copy his list and uh, I gave it to everyone around me in our congregation. I give it as a gift. Hey, here's my gift to you this year. And it's like every year in the last several years, I've given... I've given little versions of the book of Psalms with a list, it's inviting people, would you pray through the Psalms with me throughout the year? And today I want to invite you to do the same. What would your heart be like? Think about this. If you submitted it to the regular routine of all of the Psalms by having at least a Psalm daily. Listen to this. A prayer from God's heart through your lips, into your soul. Let me say that again. The Psalms are God's prayers from God's heart through our lips into our souls. The Psalms itself, they, they invite us to meditate in them. So here's the faith practice. Read a Psalm daily. In other words, submit your heart to a daily diet of the, fools, for, of the full book of Psalms. Don't even study it. Just read it. If you can chant it, chant it, you know, if there's no one around you. And uh, chant it several times if it's not too long. And then let your heart marinate on it. And then next day, repeat the process, taking the next psalm, and give it a year. Incidentally, you will be hard-pressed to find people who you deeply admire their soul. Saints who are around your life who would not, who would, if you were to sneak in and find their Bible, their Psalms would be worn out because they spend time in the Psalms. I love the way that Brian Sands says, he says, the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you think God ought to do, but to be properly form to have your soul be properly formed and that's the end goal of all of our discipleship our road with Jesus so that we will be formed according to Jesus I am what you would call a very emotional person you can ask my wife like what I feel I feel it passionately what I when I'm sad when I'm angry when I'm joyful hallelujah <laughs> but I'm also a pastor 
and I love our community, a Mexican immigrant community in the west side of Littleville of Chicago is a thriving, dense, lively community. But during COVID, we were beaten, beaten. And uh, the, the side of our church building, there's uh, over 100 names that we wrote down in a mural, beautiful mural of all the people in our community that uh, have given us names that we were all connected to who died. A lot of people who died, a lot of people who lost jobs, a lot of people who lost their livelihood. And um, during COVID, I walked through our streets more than ever. And I found myself weeping and arguing and crying, my emotions in my sleeve. And I found that over all what gave words to my crying out to God and my arguing with God, my complaining to God, were the Psalms. I can't explain it, but I have had a very clear sense, especially during COVID, during the crisis that it brought into our community of God walking with me, burning in my heart. Incidentally, I think it was last, towards the end of this last September, that uh, my wife and I, just overwhelmed by everything around us, the pain, suffering, and, you know, hopelessness in many of our neighbors, our congregation, trying to go through it. Uh, we escaped from Chicago, and we just came to St. Charles. My wife wanted to go by the river. It's like, there's a river. Let's go. We have a lake. I'm like, you guys have a river. Like, and, um, and we ended up here on a Saturday night. I posted my sermon for Sunday morning online. Of course, nobody was going to be gathering. And then I found out that you guys were gathering, had just started gathering several weeks before. And so I told my wife on Sunday morning, I'm going to church. She stayed in the hotel. Uh, she's not here to, to hear that. You know, I didn't know my wife was a pagan or anything. But uh, um, anyway, so I came to church. My first experience, what, like six or seven months without any church gathering at all. And I walked in and I sat down on top of that balcony right there. And you ministered life into my heart as you sang the words of Jesus. As Pastor Jim preached about the coming election and the divide and inviting us to be healed together as one. I wept in that little balcony. I think you can still see the stains in the church. Like, uh, brought life back into my soul. The third and last question that our soul asks is, how would I navigate the uncertainties ahead? If you're a parent, you know that teenage years are coming. How am I going to make that? If you're older, how, how am I going to make that? I, I know that the road ahead is uncertain. In the book of Psalms, this is what I want you to remember. We find an honest map of the treacherous terrain that awaits us. All true epics, our epic journeys are unpredictable. All, all true epic journeys are unpredictable. I mean, if you go camping and everything went well, you're like, hey, oh, back in 99, I went camping. We're like, oh, whatever. But if you go camping and, you know, like your tent is pulled into the river and you lose everything and a bear comes, steals your food, and you will have a story to tell for the ages. Your children will tell that story and friends will tell that all true epic journeys are unpredictable. Listen to what the psalm says. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Here are two guarantees in the psalm. 
to guarantees in the psalm. As you launch into a life of prayer with Jesus through the book of Psalms, the song, the prayers that he has already given to your soul and to my soul. Here's two guarantees. The first guarantee is that your soul will definitely become stronger as they go from strength to strength. My sister, a deep friend for me, she encountered Jesus radically through her cancer as a cancer survivor. She meditates in the book of Psalms regularly. She tells, she usually sends people thoughts that God has given to her through the book of Psalms. I was talking to her about coming to talk to you, and she said, hey, I don't know. It like, sounds, really, sounds like you, you already know what you want to say, but, but let me tell you this. She said this. I have found myself repeating this regularly every day. She said, this is what I say to me, to myself. This day is not a good day because of anything that I have achieved. No, this day is good because I am immersed into the God of grace. You will get stronger and stronger. Your soul will become more beautiful. The second guarantee is that your soul will become definitely, I guarantee it, as you walk with Jesus through the book of Psalms, the, song, the songs that, the prayers that he's already given to us, your soul will become a fountain of life even in the desert. David Bamberger, the founder of uh, Church's Chicken, co-founder with Church's Chicken, and um, you know, when him and his partner ended up selling it, he bought dead land in the center of Texas. This is like dry wilderness, just like dry land in the center of Texas. And um, he had one goal. He wanted to see that light, that land come back to life again said that they drilled as many as, I think, 15 different, um, you know, holes going down like 500 feet into the ground to find water and nothing. Eventually, he said that him and his ranchers began to plant little grass and would just love that little grass, that native grass to, to Texas. And they started loving it in such a way that he said it took like two and a half years and before like a spring actually started coming out from the ground. Like unthinkable springs coming out of desert central Texas. Another spring and another spring. Eventually we had more than 11 springs coming out of our, this dry land. National Geographic wrote a, an article about him and, you know, did a feature on him and they titled it, 50 years ago, this was a wasteland. Now it's one of the sources of fresh water for the city of Austin. Dead, dry land being loved back. At some point, uh, you know, in the little video, a kid raises his hand. He's telling the story. And the uh, kid says, well, why did you name this, uh, this, this ranch Selah? He said, oh, I'm glad you asked. Selah is a word from the book of Psalms. And it means that you have to come and sit as you watch and see the work of God bringing life back into that which was dead. Would you close your eyes with me? You push us. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I think what this means 
is that God is saying, you have not arrived yet. Don't make yourself comfortable where you are. Would you allow me to push you out into the road? I think some of you are, Jesus is about to push you into places where you did not think you could go, but you will see your life flourishing like never before. Would you allow Jesus to push you today? If you want to, here's the answer of the ages. Go to the book of Psalms. Jesus, come. Come and speak to us. We say, God, God, we want to go on pilgrimage with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.